15 is our second reading. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1, here now, the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. At the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth ought unto his, uh, ought unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner thou mayest exact it again, but that which is thine with thy brother, thine hand shall release. Save when there shall be no poor among you. For the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all these commandments which I command thee this day. For the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow, and thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. If there be among you a poor man, one of thy brethren, within any of thy gates, in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. (coughs) But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there not be a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee, in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in thy land. And if thy brother, an Hebrew man or an Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee, and serve thee six years, Then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock, and out of thy floor, and out of thy winepress. Of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee, therefore I command thee this thing today. And if, he, and if it shall be, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because he loveth thee and thine house, because he is well with thee, then thou shalt take an awl, and thrust it through his ear unto the door, and he shall be thy servant forever, and also unto thy maidservant thou shalt do likewise." It shall not seem hard unto thee when thou sendest him away free from thee. For he hath been worth a double hired servant to thee in serving thee six years. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all that thou doest. All the firstling males that come out of thy herd and of thy flock 
Thou shalt sanctify unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work with the firstling of thy bullock, nor shear the firstling of thy sheep. Thou shalt eat it before the Lord thy God year by year in the place which the Lord shall choose, thou and thy household. And if there be any blemish therein, as if it be lame or blind or have any ill blemish, thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt eat it within thy gates. The unclean and the clean person shall eat it alike as the roebuck and as the heart. Only thou shalt not eat the blood thereof, thou shalt pour it upon the ground as water. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. All right, so in the first section, verses 1 through 6, we have the, what is called the year of release. Now, I think there's a lot of confusion on this. I think that, and it's, it, it's a confusion that is easily stated and abated. So that's a good thing. The confusion is that people think that in ancient Israel, you loan someone money, and when the seventh year came, that loan was wiped out. That's not what's being taught here. What's being taught here is that in the year of release, when you're not planting and sowing in that Sabbath year, you're going to have less income. So if you have someone that owes you something, you don't collect from them during that year. Pretty simple. So it's not that the debt is entirely wiped out. It is that it is not, there's no maintenance upon that debt during that seventh year, the year of release. Okay, so that helps us to understand how the Lord is not simply saying, you know, make sure if if you are in need, you go to somebody and knock on their door on the sixth year so you don't have to pay it back. That's not what's going on here. You will pay it back. You're just not required to pay during that year because it's the year of release. It's a year of release for everybody in the land. Everybody. Okay? So that's the first thing. Um, <clears throat> notice also that, these, uh, th- that this lending and borrowing and so on, that it was based on poverty. Okay? Now, let's make sure we understand what is being said here. Today, in our society, people who are not poor go down to, I don't know, the appliance store, the, the electronics store, and they want a, or the furniture store, and they want not furniture that will suit them and their station. They want furniture that is beyond what they can afford, and so they go borrow money to buy that furniture. That is not what is being talked about here. A poor man... I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound heartless here, but let's understand this rightly. A poor man can have a poor couch, and there's no shame in that. A poor man doesn't need a rich man's couch. But very often, we want the rich man's couch or the rich man's car or whatever it is. And so we go out and we borrow money from others. That's not the kind of lending that is being spoken of here. And how do we know that? Because the Lord said, there may even come a day in your land when you have no poor And when you have no poor, you won't be doing this anymore. You won't have to worry about this law. Right? Now that never happened because they never followed the Lord. Right? What did the Lord say to them? 
If you obey me and follow my voice, you will lend to many nations, but will not borrow from any nations. You will be the head and not the tail. But that is obviously not what happened. And so the poor persisted with them. And so if your brother came to you and he was poor and he needed uh, uh, something out of your stock and store to make ends meet, we are required. Remember, if you read the, uh, the larger catechism on the ninth commandment, what is re- not the ninth commandment, the eighth commandment, what is required in the eighth commandment, giving and lending both, okay, uh, according to our ability and the needs of others. It's not a sin to borrow, but the borrower is servant to the lender. My children will attest to this. When they were growing up in the house and they wanted a car, I told them something very simple, hopefully something very memorable. Your first car that you ever own, and this is how I sold it to them, your first car that you will ever own, you will work and you will save for it and you will buy it outright. We'll give you rides anywhere you need to go until that time. And then after that, if you want to become a slave and borrow for a car, you can do that, but you'll have at least the experience of freedom, of liberty first. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not a sin to go into debt, but it is bondage to go into debt. And the Lord would not bless people by sending them into debt. That's not blessing. Okay? All right, so that's the first section, verses 1 through 6. The second section begins in verse 7. And it talks about uh, the necessity of loaning to our poor brother. The necessity of loaning to our poor brother. And if we don't do that, we have shut up our heart from him. Notice, thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. So the Bible does command lending to those who have come to a providence so difficult that they would choose that kind of remedy. Beyond that, in verse 12, we have something even more extreme than that. Normally it is understood that when you loan someone to someone, they give you a pledge for that. And we see this elsewhere across the book of Deuteronomy. Especially a poor man's pledge. What would he give you? Well, he might give you the blanket that he sleeps with. That's all he's got. And so what does, what does Moses teach the people of God? That if he gives you his blanket as a pledge, make sure you give it back to him at night so he can at least use it at night. Right? But he has borrowed and he has a pledge. What if you have no pledge? What if you have nothing to offer? Well, then, the last resort here is verse 12, and that's slavery. You go into what's called slavery or servitude. And again, we have a, we have a horrible view of this in our society. right? We'd rather take money from people that are earners and provide for people who, who have come to this kind of condition. That's not the Bible's remedy. The Bible's remedy for that is that he become a slave in a household not his own and that if he proves to be a good slave, 
that he can be released at the end of six years and go out liberally furnished and set up his own thing again. Well, doesn't that beat perpetual welfare? Generational welfare. Of course it does. God's ideas are always wiser than man's ideas. Always. Okay, so slavery is not an essential evil in the scriptures. We need to keep saying this, although they will, they will want to lock us up for it eventually. Slavery in scripture is not an essential evil. It is indeed something that, uh, that shows the destitution of your estate. But the ancient governments of old cherished the rights of private property more than modern governments ever do. Modern governments believe that your money is their money. They can take it from you and give it to whoever they please. We have a name for that in scripture. We call it theft. Notice government doesn't get involved here. This is a private man going to someone, his neighbor, saying, I'm broke. I'm reduced, and it may be weeping. I'm reduced to, I can't feed my family anymore. I don't have anything uh, to bring to you for a pledge. All I have is my body and my labor. Will you receive that and give me and mine a place to stay and food to, to eat and so on? And the man, if he has the means, he says yes. And he has him into his house. And notice that there is an incentive provided in the scripture. Of course, the evil that we always hear of is slave owners are always wicked. They always beat their slaves. It's Horrible Ninth Commandment violation. Not true at all. There were some wonderful, godly slaveholders, even in the South in the 19th century. Just as there can be here, such that at the end of six years, the slave comes to his master and says, I don't ever want to leave. I want to be here forever. And so he says, okay, take your ear and put it up by the door, and I'll drive an awl through it and pin you to the door, and that'll be symbolic of you abiding here forever. Oh yeah, what does, what does the psalmist say? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather be my Lord's slave. Right? And so what happens here in verses 12 through 18 is that <clears throat> there is this open, honest relationship of commerce between one man and another uh, where one man is destitute and cannot provide for his family he's facing slavery or foraging with the wild animals of the forest he chooses slavery and a slavery that be that may be so benevolent that he never wants to leave it you see what a wonderful institution it can be rather than taking money from people that do labor and giving it to those who won't or can't. Okay, so that's 12 through 18. And then finally, 19 through 23, uh, very simply, the firstling males that come out of the, out of the herd of thy flock uh, shall uh, thou shalt sanctify unto the Lord thy God. This is what we talked about in the last passage. We had our, we had our tithes, but we also have our firstlings. The Lord claimed both. Okay, he claimed the firstlings because of what? Passover. He let go the firstborn of all the Israelites, took all the firstborn of the Egyptians, and said, so everything that's firstborn in your family, 
or in your herds that belongs to me. You will not sacrifice your firstborn son to me, however. You will give up an animal in his stead. So all the firstborn is mine. And so seeing that the Lord claims those for his own, notice verse 20, Thou shalt eat it before the Lord thy God year by year in the place which the Lord shall choose, thou and thy household. This is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? We said, this is the Lord's. You don't get it. It's not yours. You don't eat it in your house. You have to eat it before the Lord, with the stranger, with the alien, with the Levite, with the orphan, with the widow. You go to Jerusalem, you take care of the poor that are there with the Lord's offering. Note how generous your Lord is. You give him an animal, he gives you some back, and he gives some to the poor and the Levite. This is what we learn from this. Okay? However, there's a stipulation here. And that is that if that <coughs> excuse me, if that animal is blemished, if it's missing an eye, if it's missing a leg, it's lame, uh, and so on, uh, you may not give it to the Lord. It becomes a regular meal in your own house, not before the Lord, but in your dwelling where you live, and it says, the clean and the unclean may eat of it. And what that means is that it's a regular meal. So if it's, even if it's a firstborn, if it is a deformed firstborn, you don't offer broken things to the Lord. You offer him your, your first fruits, your best. But if it is deformed, it becomes a regular meal that you eat in your own gates. The clean and the unclean may eat which was not true of the sacrifices that were offered in Jerusalem. Only the clean could eat of those. Okay, pretty simple. Have that explained and understandable. All right, with that then, let's stand and continue praising.